Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. hip 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 powder donut <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. hip 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 powder donut <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey there, we at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire pods, search for us on iTunes or check out bluewirepods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Feels good, baby. I will be back here. I will be back here. And I will be back. Welcome to the Fourth and Gold Podcast, a rewind edition. We are going back to 2002, the 49ers versus the Giants in the NFC wildcard game. Most of you 49er fans should remember this as one of the most epic playoff games of all time. Um, but we're going to go through it and talk about it, discuss it, because myself, Matt, and our guest today, we were in our mid-teens. We didn't know shit about football, but here we are <laughs> in our 30s re-watching this game like... Wow, we didn't know anything about football. Matt, what's going on? So you're talking about rewinding to the game. I rewound my haircut. I trimmed the beard. I got a haircut. I look less like a homeless person now. My wife's very happy. This is great. Shout out to, to the barber in town doing essential employees haircuts. <laughs> um, yeah, this, this was a, a lot of fun to watch, the, going back to this game. Because like you said, we didn't know what we were, what we were doing, what we were talking about, whatever it is. Um, but let's bring in our guest. And, and our guest is someone very special to us. Because this is the guy that, that created Disrespectful Kyle. Me and him were texting during the game. He <laughs> creates it on Thursday Night Football from the Cardinals and, and, and the 49ers on Halloween. And this is, it's our guy, Scott Kaiser, from the Craft Brood Sports Podcast. Scott, welcome. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, guys. Thank you for having me. I have been looking forward to this for so long. Been listening to you guys since basically the beginning. And uh, very happy to be uh, joining you guys for this. 
We appreciate it, man. This is the Fourth and Go Podcast. I'm Javi. That is Matt, as we've already said. Uh, find the podcast on Twitter at Fourth and Go Podcast, and follow the podcast on all podcast platforms: Google, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, follow us, and we are always here to engage with you guys. Um, so, 2002. I'm 16. I'm in my living room. My dad's a Bears fan. My brothers are Eagles. My brother's an Eagles fan. And that season, the Eagles are really good. So my brother and I were like, oh, we might have a NFC Championship game where the Niners play the Eagles. So we were talking a lot of shit to each other at a young age. <laughs> what were you guys doing in 2002 or 2003 because it was a January game? Go ahead, guest. Well, I was uh, I was at work, unfortunately. Like I remember getting updates about this game at my job. I wasn't able to get off, and it was one of those things where I had my boss, who a huge Browns fan. I live in Ohio, and you know have lived in Ohio my entire life. Uh, but everybody knew how big of a 49ers fan I was, so they're giving me updates. And I'm at my job, and things were you know going poorly. And I remember mentally checking out when it was 38 to 4. 14. And I'll never forget when my boss walked in as we were closing things up for the day. And I'm thinking, uh, the game is over, you know, Niners lost season's done. And he's like, you're not going to believe this. The Niners won. <laughs> and I thought there is no way. Like I thought he was messing with me and, you know, you know, sure enough, I, you're talking about age wise. And if it was 2003 for January, I was, uh, finishing up my senior year. I would have been uh, 17 at the time. Actually, I think it would have been just days before I turned 18. So, uh, that's where I was in 2003 for this game. Yeah. See, that's, I'm the baby of the group, man. This feels good. I'm usually the old man. Cause my wife's With the most facial so. hair. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and the most hair on top of my head too. So, you know, this is great guys. Um, no, 2003, <laughs> I was, uh, I was at home. Um, I was in what we call the front room at my parents' house. Um, it's called well, the front room cause it's at the front of the house because we're, we're, we're very basic. And I was wearing my Jeff Garcia Jersey. I'm wearing my 49ers leather hat because I thought it was cool. And I really wanted one. Um, it was not cool. It's cool to hang on a wall. Well, it's not cool to wear. Don't ever wear it in public. If you have a leather hat, just keep <laughs> it at home guys. Um, yeah, I was watching the game and, and, my old man, Buffalo fan, he's from, you know, he's from upstate New York, and he watched Frank Reich bring them back against the Houston Oilers. So when I was relentlessly positive in my youth, he was just right there with me, believing, like, yeah, they can do it. They can do it. I've seen better. I've seen, I've seen teams come back from worse. So I was being relentlessly positive in my parents' house at 14 years old, just thinking that the 49ers could never lose because they were the best team in the world. And I was 14 and an idiot. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have that positivity. I had a whole bunch of shit talking for my dad because uh, he wouldn't. He wouldn't shut up. But it was. It's fine. Uh, the Niners, as we know, uh, win this game and and go on to play Tampa Bay after the week after. But going, we're going back to this game. One thing you guys noticed, we were talking about it earlier in the game, three man booth. What in the world is Chris Collinsworth, Joe Buck, and Troy Aikman? What are they wearing? Why do they look like <laughs> Dead Poet Society in the booth with their black turtlenecks, all black shirts? Was that what? 2003 was like because i know in 2003 i wore the big white tees the cameron look the whole dip set thing was what i used to rock and that's just me being stupid but a lot of folks will <laughs> a lot of our listeners would would be like okay yeah I'm, I'm with javi on that one with your air force ones and your big white tees yeah that's exactly how i dressed but to see those three guys look like they're going to a funeral or they're about to go hit a poetry night was insane 
Yeah, man. You said the the uh, Air Force Ones and the, and the large white tees. I actually had two jobs uh, my senior year in high school, and one of them was working at Foot Action, so I was all about that life. So seeing these three dressed, you know, like the mooks that they are, it was it was stunning even then to think that in 2003 that they were wearing that. So I don't know where that fashion sense came from. Yeah, and it was like they were all wearing black, but it was three different versions of black. Uh, Collinsworth had a turtleneck on. Uh, Troy Aikman had like a black waffle shirt on, not a waffle tee, like a waffle shirt. And then Joe Buck was wearing like a black button down. And it's just, it it was really weird because you know they coordinated that. You know they didn't get dressed separately. Fox dressed them for this game. And they said said they're all going to dress in black, but it's going to be different blacks. It's going to be different kind of... Different kind of stuff here, guys. It's, it was it was such a weird look, and it was such a weird thing having the three guys in the booth. These are the three yeah. most hated guys from football. <laughs> it's Troy Aikman, it's Chris Collinsworth, it's Joe Buck. The people, you know, the three guys that people complain about almost entirely. And, and Scott, I'm I'm gonna let you bring this up about Chris Collinsworth. It's before the era. What didn't he say? He did not say, and now here's a guy, nor did he slide in to start the broadcast. So they didn't have the, you know, smooth slide in because, you know, it's a three man booth. So they were all just kind of there. Yeah, that was it was just awkward, awkward uh, called game. And it got weirder like throughout the game because this game gets chippy. And then, you know, these guys sit on their high horses. Oh, uh, this is getting out of hand. And what kind of leadership is this? And blah, blah, blah. (laughs) You know, Um, (laughs) 2002, 2003 season, the Niners uh, are in a uniform that a lot of fans didn't like. I personally loved. How do we feel about these jerseys, guys? I'm going to take this one. All right. so, So for me, in 2002, in 2003, this was a good uniform. This was a good uniform. It really was. In a vacuum, it is a good uniform. If you just look at this and you you knew nothing about any other 49ers uniforms, and they, they brought those out and they said, this is going to be the team, you'd be happy with them. Unfortunately, we saw the style in 94, and we've seen what they wear now, and it went back to the more classic look, and you know, the classic look from the 80s and such. I just think the classic look looks so much better. So much better than these maroons. And... I just that's that's where I'm at. I just I think the uniforms they wear now are ten times better than those. But in a vacuum, they are not bad. They are not bad looking uniforms. I just think that's how good the 49ers now uniforms look. Yeah, it's tough because this was the first jersey that I ever owned. Because mm-hmm. you know you're talking about high school time and then you know after when did they switch to these? What ninety five, ninety six, somewhere around there? Yeah, I think so, so. I never, yeah, I never owned a jersey prior to that. So the first jersey I ever owned was a you know rice maroon jersey. So the, these are my jerseys, and at the time loved them, didn't have a problem with them. And, and you know when you're a kid, you think everything new is hotter and it better looking than you know oh it's better than the past so yeah this is what's hot um so you know everything was good at the time and i you know i owned a rice jersey in this color i had owens jersey in the red i had garcia in both red and white during that time so i love those jerseys but when they announced that they were going back to the red and they did switch to the red it was one of those things where i thought yeah this is how it's supposed to be and you never look back. And if they ever switched the Maroons again, I'd have a real problem. But that at the time, like Matt says, in a vacuum, perfectly fine jerseys. I loved them. But, yeah, they were just a product of their time. Yeah, so I have – I still have – well, I, I recently bought 
a Frank Gore 2005 jersey and a 2002 Jerry, no, 98 Jerry Rice jersey um, in this color. So I have the white Gore in this, you know, in this design, and I have the the, the maroon Jerry Rice. I guess, I don't know. I, I guess I wouldn't mind seeing it back just for one game, like a throwback game, because there was some good moments in these jerseys. Not as not as much as the obviously the ones they had this last year. Uh, with the 94 throwbacks. Those are obviously the best throwbacks, but I wouldn't mind mind a comeback on this just for one game. Nothing crazy, but I thought jerseys are great, and I've read a lot of people hated these jerseys, and I was like, I don't understand why, but um, I get it. Going back to the classics is ideal. Um, Real quick, the whites. The whites version of these jerseys looked so much better than the maroons. So yeah, the whites, the, the whites that, were, that, that were shadow boxed, you know, the, the numbers were shadow boxed with, with, with gold and black. That was a good look. It was an actually yeah. good look. So I, I think that the red numbers with the, the gold and black border I thought was great. So I think I think the white versions of these jerseys were much better than the maroons, but the maroons is what the 49ers were wearing during this game. Agreed. No, yeah, yeah, I, I agree there. Um, the other thing before we get into the game, Candlestick Park should only be known as Candlestick Park. It is. Ever. <laughs> when you go look at pro football reference, you'll see Monster Park, 3Com Park. Like, just... Candlestick, period. I don't want to read any other name about it. I get the, the corporate sponsors that you guys mentioned earlier, but Jesus, that's just a stupid thing to look up. And it's like, 3Com Park, what the fuck? You know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's it's Candlestick. It's Candlestick. Yeah, I'm, it's very, I'm very anti-corporate uh, sponsor coming in and naming any uh, stadium. And whatever the stadium was named for, like, I still call it Jacobs Field. I mean, mm-hmm. for Arizona, it's still Bank One Ballpark. And that was their first corporate sponsor. I don't even know. They've changed like 12 times since then. I think I still call the Giants Field AT&T Park. And I, I, or Pac Bell, rather. And I, God knows Pac Bell hasn't existed forever. Yeah, yeah. I, still, I still call the Wizards in the in – the, the Capitals play up the road, and I call it the MCI Center, which is what it was initially called when they were still the Bullets. I don't even know what yeah. it's called anymore. My wife gets mad at me because I'm like, are we going to the MCI Center for this concert? And then she corrects me on what it's actually the venue's actually called. I don't know. It was the MCI <laughs> Center in 1995, so it's the MCI Center forever. Yeah, it gets one name. <laughs> uh, so this game, um, I, I, I almost forgot some of the players are on this team. Jeff Ulbrich, uh Julian Peterson, Ty Streets, JJ Stokes. There's just so much of my youth in this game. And I'm like, holy shit, to be back to my living room. Uh, so the game starts off. Niners kick off. The Giants get the ball. Uh, Giants don't do anything on offense to start the game out. But there's a lot of stroking of Kerry Collins going on in this game. <laughs> what What's the deal with this three-man crew on Kerry Collins? I couldn't figure that out. Because to me, Kerry Collins was always that guy. Like, I'll think of him as the, the one who got just manhandled in that Baltimore Super Bowl. And mm-hmm. so, like, he, he was always just another quarterback. And I know that, you know, this was the time when he kind of figured things out and he got his life in order and everything. And so he had moments where it was like he's better than, um, you know, the beginning of his career. But for the most part, to me, I mean, he didn't do anything special. I mean, he, he did what the defense gave to him. And when you look at his final stats, you're like, holy crap, that's a really good game. But at the start of the game and, and through the first, I think, 
mm, I want to say two or three scores. He didn't do anything that wowed me. It wasn't until you stopped and looked at the numbers where it was like, wow, Kerry Collins is having an amazing game. Yeah. Yeah. Kerry yeah, Collins to me has always been a jag, right? Just a guy. So he's, he's not a world beater. He's not a, he's not Peyton Manning. He's not Tom Brady. He's not Joe Montana. He's not Steve Young. He's not anybody that's going to go out and demolish people. But he takes what the defense gives him, and he does it very well. Um, he made some very good throws in this game, um, particularly to Monty Toomer and, and to Jeremy Shockey. It's just, I don't know. He doesn't, I don't think he warranted all, all the love he was getting from the broadcast. I think a lot of it was a product of how the game was going and what the score happened and his mistakes happened early and then he started to kind of take off and, and play really well in, in in the middle of the game so his mistakes are just kind of like yeah brushed aside because he recovered and bounced back from him yeah because he you know in the broadcast they say uh they, they point out mike rump and they say they're gonna go right at you mike rump and we were talking through text <laughs> like why is why are the, the giants scoring so easily and they're like oh i remembered mike rump was on this team and they bring it up in the broadcast mike rump struggled mightily in this game and Going back to 16-year-old me, I was like, cool, Miami player. He's got to be good. And that's kind of <laughs> how I viewed the draft. And Scott corrected me. He's like, yeah, I didn't like Mike Grump at all. And I was like, uh, <laughs> what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I was frustrated because, you know, again, young age and in, in the draft was not anything that delved deep into and spent time like we do now. But back then, knowing the names – um, of like the first couple rounds, I guess you could say. I remember just wanting Ed Reed, and he was like right there, and he ended up going two or three picks before uh, Mike Rumpf, and as soon as he got picked, I was like, all right, well, I'm done. And then they picked Rumpf, and I, <laughs> my first thought was, you're sitting there thinking, oh, he's from Miami, same team, oh, they're good. And I remember thinking, wow, that's a horrible pick because I don't know who he is. Like, how can he be on this Miami team that has a whole bunch of names and I have no idea who he is? So I was absolutely pissed about it. And then, you know, as it turned out, he was god-awful through most of his San Francisco tenure. And, I mean, he was a rookie in this game, so you kind of give him a little bit of slack, but he looked pretty much like he did his entire career in this game. Yeah, this game is a pretty good microcosm of Mike Rumpf's time tenure in in san francisco um but just going back to some of the players that were on this team uh dana stubblefield had come back from washington so he'd re-signed with the 49ers uh bryant young was still there uh i know we talked about julian peterson Derek smith jeff ulbrich um ahmed plummer eric johnson Derek deese i mean there's just so many jeremy newberry who i loved i love jeremy newberry oh jeremy uh, newberry was such a dog and it's just there's, there's so many players on the Fred Beasley, Garrison Hurst. It's just this team was just like it, it's like like Scott was saying, it's your childhood, right? This is these are the guys that you grew up watching, you grew up rooting for, and 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 collecting football cards was was big for us when I was a kid. And these were like yeah. all the cards I had. I had cards of all these players. And I was so excited to watch them play on Sundays. And this this is just this takes me back just looking at this roster and watching this game. Just, takes me all the way back to when I was young, innocent, and, and and thought the 49ers were the best franchise to have ever existed. And you just I mean, named all the, the name guys, though, and I was sitting there thinking about the Andre Carters and the uh, the <laughs> Engelbergers of the world because I was thinking, yeah. man, I was so high on those guys at the time because I'm like, oh, man, they're first-round picks and they're Niners and they're, they can do no wrong. And they had their moments, but they were just average guys. 
Yeah, so the the Giants are driving down the field. Um, they can, you know, they have a couple first down. They, you know, they, they convert on a couple second and third downs to get more first downs um, to continue the drive. Um, and then Kerry Collins throws an interception. Um, and it's one of those where it hits the guy in the hands, goes in the air, and then the Niners get the ball right. The Niners get the ball, and Terrell Owens, in my personal opinion, is the second greatest receiver of all time. And he just takes one to the house off a pass from Jeff Garcia. Like, it was... He could not be stopped in this game, and it started off early on. Um, Terrell Owens, second-best wide receiver of all time. Agreed? Yeah, second-best uh, wide receiver of all time behind Amani Toomer, apparently, according to this game, because <laughs> Amani Toomer looked like a god in this game. So, yeah, I, I will say he's the second-best wide receiver of all time, just in this game alone. Yeah, oh now, I, Javi, we've gone back and forth on this. Um, it's obviously, obviously, Jerry is the GOAT. Obviously, he's the GOAT. Um, I have Randy Moss too. I argue the fucking wall, man. I don't care. Randy Moss is two, and then To is three. Um, <laughs> it's just this is how I feel. But I feel like those are the top three. It's not even close. I think those guys are head and shoulders above everyone else. Um, but real quick, I want to go back. You said there was an interception. Ball was popped up. It was popped up again. It was it, who came down with that interception? It was Julian Peterson. And Peterson. And Julian Peterson may be the most underrated 49ers defender of all time. That guy played nine positions on the football field. The only position he didn't play was cornerback. He was he so good. He, he would have been better uh, than Mike Rump. He definitely could have. <laughs> he was so good. He was so big. His pads were so big. He was a monster, but he could do everything. Everything. And he was such a joy to watch. And then he went to the Seahawks. And it's just uh, depressing. And that little Julian Peterson thing I got pumped about. Is that, Julian Peterson was just so good. He was so, so, so good in 49ers, for the 49ers. So Julian Peterson gave us five good years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, he had an injury issue in 2004. But the first four seasons are very, very good. Um, and I, I, was, I, I tweeted this out last night. He's underrated because part of me forgot about him because he didn't finish his career as a Niner. Like you said, he went to Seattle. Then he finished in Detroit. But then, you know, the the guys that came after Julian Peterson, like Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman, um, you know, Alden Smith, those guys kind of just pushed him down the list of how good he was. You know, the guy, he was consistently in, in, in the, well, before he got injured, he had 95, 96 tackles. Um, he's constantly in the backfield for tackles for losses. Um, best season was seven sacks with the Niners in 03. Um, it He's an outstanding player. He just did everything that you needed him to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he gets forgotten because the guys that came after him, I think, mm-hmm. really pushed him down that list of Niner greats as, at linebacker. And we talked about it last night. Niners have been spoiled at linebacker, and we talked about it before. You know, now with Fred Warner and Quan Alexander on this team, the Niners, are they do a really good job at finding linebacker talent. I think we can all agree there that they always find guys to play that position and play it pretty well. I also think that uh, Peterson was actually ahead of his time because they had him lined up all over the field, like during his you know years with the 49ers, and he was that do it all guy that you could line up anywhere, mm-hmm. and and he would be so invaluable today, and I feel like he would get so much more uh, you know press than he he did at the time, but he kind of just gets lost in the shuffle, and I think his best year was 
uh, the following year, and that's when <clears throat> Dennis Erickson came Ugh. in and ruined everything. But Julian Peterson was at the tip top of his game at the time. Yeah, yeah. and then you know, the Niners had to figure out their cap situation, so that's part of why he was gone a couple years later. And then, of course, the T.O. and Jeff Garcia thing after that, too. It just The Niners, after this game, just everything kind of imploded. Um, so the Niners are up 7 nothing. And it's consistently, let's go attack Mike Rumpf with Jeremy Shockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremy Shockey, how many steroids did he take before this game? All, All of them. them. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even practice that. Well played. Um, yeah, no, he took all, all of them. All of them. Jeremy Shockey, is he a top five tight end in today's game? Yeah. If he played today. Yeah, I think he is. I think he is. Um, I, I think... He was again another player that was ahead of his time. Um, yes, it was just he was George Kittle. You were talking about before the show, Javi. He's George Kittle and Travis Kelsey kind of combined because he has a little bit more physicality than Travis Kelsey does, but he's not quite as good of a blocker as George Kittle. He's somewhere in between those two guys. And yeah. I think when you look at the landscape of tight ends in the NFL right now, it's not that great. I mean, there, there's there's a, there's a top tier. There's a top tier, and then it significantly falls off. So I think Jeremy Shockey, a healthy Jeremy Shockey, could easily slot in in the top five right now in the NFL. Well, and just it's ironic that we're talking about these two players back-to-back, Peterson and Shockey, and obviously Shockey is the one that more people know about just on a general NFL level. But the fact that they could have been dropped in to today's time and still shined, but they both had this like shooting star where their peaks were super high, super fast, and then boom, they kind of disappeared. And it was kind of both due to injury and mm-hmm. unfortunate situations. But they, they both had like the same kind of thing where it's just like, man, they're the best at what they do for a really small window. And, and yeah. you know, in, in the logistics of everything. Yeah, and, you know, early on in the game, you know, when, when Shockey wasn't on Rump or Rump wasn't on Shockey, Peterson was in coverage on Shockey, and mm-hmm. Shockey wasn't doing much. So Peterson had him pretty much – he had the clamps on him early on in this game, you know, for the, everyone who out there who might rewatch this game or whatever. Just look at that. Peterson was to staying with, you know, a, a really good tight end. So that's just – like you guys said, he was ahead of his time uh, from that standpoint as far as a coverage linebacker as well. Um you know, second drive for the Giants. They don't do anything. Niners get the ball back at their own 10. Um, this drive, Jeff Garcia is another quarterback. It's not that he gets forgotten. I just don't think he gets enough respect from the fan base because of the way things ended, if that's fair to say. Mm-hmm. I, I always enjoyed Jeff Garcia. I, I was watching him. I'm like, he has this weird hitch before he lets the ball go. Anyone pick up on that? Like, <laughs> yes. stupid little, that little <laughs> skip step that he does that he, like, pumps it and his front arm is up really high. But... He had like he had his moments where he'd put the ball right where it needed to be, and he he put it on a rope. But then he had some ducks, and you saw the ducks come later in the game. Um, Jeff Garcia, underrated Niner, underappreciated Niner. Where where is he at in in that list of you know? Obviously, you got Jimmy, you got Cap, you got Alex, you got Joe, you got Steve. Where does where does Jeff fall in that grouping? I don't think that he ends up underrated, but I do think that he ends up supremely underappreciated because it's. 
in that era when you're talking about, okay, so the torch gets passed and everybody's expecting, you know, Niners quarterbacks. It's a gold standard and, you know, they all have to be, you know, this higher than high level. So it's like Garcia was a notch below that. But he was so good at what he did. And that hitch, I kept laughing. I'm glad that you mentioned it because I kept thinking, <laughs> how did he get away with that? And would that work in today's NFL? Like, it, like that's, that's I what I kept think thinking. So. I'm like, there's no way he would get away with that now, right? Yeah, no. So no. Uh, the exact opposite of Jeremy Shockey and Julian Peterson, if you drop Jeff Garcia into today's game, he's going to get sacked a thousand times. Because yes. he's never going to get that ball <laughs> off. He's never going to get that pass off. Um, I, 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 I just got to think, think he nailed it. I think, you know, I don't think he's underrated. I think he's underappreciated. Um, and and Jeff Garcia was, you see a little bit of Kaepernick in his game. You yeah. Know, he, he runs kind of the read option stuff, which is way, way ahead of its time. We'll get we'll get to that play in a little bit. Um, but, but some of the read option stuff they were doing, it wasn't read option. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Wendy's Baconator is the ultimate bacon cheeseburger that puts all other cheeseburgers to cheeseburger shame. And now we're bringing that same big bacon energy to shake up and wake up your breakfast with the Breakfast Baconator. Stacked with the fresh cracked egg, sausage, cheese, and bacon. And right now, you can get a free breakfast Baconator with purchase in the Wendy's app. So get to Wendy's and always be Baconating. We got you. Offer available at participating U.S. Wendy's for a limited time during breakfast hours only. Offer must be redeemed via the app. Account registration required. At the time, they kept calling. It was like RPO is kind of what they were doing, but not really in in that mold. And the even the booth didn't know how to describe it when they were talking about it. Those three idiots were like, "Oh, it's a run <laughs> option. Might pass it. Oh, we don't know what he's gonna do." And they just kind of like stumbled over themselves. They'd never seen it before because um, Mariucci was a guy that was really really good offensively. Um, but I, Jeff Garcia had a little bit of Kaepernick to his game. He had the weird wind up. He had the, he had the wheels, but he also had a cannon when he wanted to and when he tried to overthrow it, he threw ducks. It's just Jeff Garcia wasn't as naturally gifted as Colin Kaepernick was. L- look, Colin I'm going to put this out there five, and see if you guys athlete. I'm going to see if you guys disagree with this. If Colin Kaepernick and Alex Smith had a baby, it would be Jeff Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously like is that not the perfect analogy is like those two combined into one because it's like he had all the the things where it's just like he had the trepidation of alex smith but he had the ability to just pull things down and make things happen of kaepernick and when he needed to sling it in there he could but like i saw both of them in yeah. jeff garcia and I think, you know, when you, t- when you talk about the announcers, it was ahead of its ear and that all the announcers could say was, yeah, you know, he's not Mike Vick, but he's a quarterback. <laughs> and I-, I-, I mean, I feel like they all wanted to say he's white. And so we really don't know what to do with him because like, he's able to make things happen with his feet. And that's not supposed to happen for a white guy. Like they wanted to say it, but they couldn't. And that's what I kept thinking the whole time. And that's I, I think that's actually what I loved about Jeff Garcia is that he could make things happen and it was so unexpected. Yeah. That's perfect. That's perfect. He's, he's Alex Smith no, and that's... Colin Kaepernick bolted into one. I love it. I love it. 
Because, I mean, because even at that time, you had Vic, you had McNabb, and you had Garcia. Those guys would be the mobile guys. And obviously, Jeff, mm-hmm. Jeff would come in last as far as mobility between sure. those two guys out of the three. Um, but that was, you know, that's kind of something I miss in the current 49ers. Like, I wish Jimmy would just take off sometimes if he had that ability. That would be yes. perfect because you saw in – I hate to go to the Super Bowl, but – in that first second, first or second drive, where there's an open lane for Jimmy to run, if anyone goes back and watches the game and lip and you know just lips uh, do some lip reading on Kyle Shanahan, he said, "Said pull it and go." He tells him to tuck it and run, just go. Um, but yeah, that's just something I think. I think that's something that's missing from a lot of offenses in the NFL. If you have a quarterback that just can just take off or give you seven, eight yard gains, that just makes it you know makes the defenses have to account for something else. And I wish Jimmy had that, but I, I enjoyed obviously having Cap Steve. And Alex Smith could do that a little bit too. We saw that mm-hmm. in the uh, 2011 NFC divisional game against the Saints, and then of course, obviously, Colin Kaepernick was just on a different level than these guys uh, running the ball. So um, I enjoyed the fact that the Niners have always had some type of mobility from their quarterbacks, and Jeff Garcia being, you know, one of the one of the better ones at it. Um, so you know, we're getting to the end of the first quarter. The Giants haven't scored yet. They're gonna they're about to score here. You know, I'm, I'm watching this game as we're talking, so we we stay on track. Um, <laughs> So it's 7-7, end of the first quarter, essentially. The Niners and Giants are going back and forth at it. Uh, going into this game, the Niners were a heavy favorite, um, but things turned really quickly here. Like you said, Amani Toomer decides to be Jerry Rice uh, in this game, and they God. start attacking Mike Rumpf repeatedly over and over and over again. Um, this game has a lot of uh, greats, too. Michael Strahan starts to get it after it. Although Jeff Garcia didn't get sacked at all in this game. I don't know if anyone remembers that. He did not get sacked once mm-hmm. um, because of his ability to, to get out of the pocket. Um, and then, there's, actually, there's actually a great quote from Chris Collinsworth about Strahan, and he talked about the, the Giants and the 49ers met earlier in the year. The Giants won. Um, yeah. And Chris Collinsworth had a great quote when they asked Michael Strahan about Jeff Garcia. He pretty much just said, Jeff Garcia watches me, and if I go to the outside – he steps up in a pocket. If I shoot to the inside, he just runs out of the pocket. So he pretty much just watched Strahan. He goes, what's Strahan going to do? Oh, you're going to do this? Okay, cool. I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm not letting <laughs> Strahan get anywhere fucking near me. And in this game, it worked. Him. It worked. Yeah. And another issue with the Niners at the time, the running game. Garrison Hurst couldn't do anything. Mm. Kevin Barlow couldn't do anything. Matt, you had a very nice thing to say about Kevin Barlow <laughs> earlier today. Do you want to share with the world what your thoughts are on the uh, Kevin Barlow pick and the Kevin Barlow as a player. Yeah, okay. So Kevin Barlow is on the same level as Carlos Hyde for me. Um, the Carlos disrespect. Hyde. That's so disrespectful. Okay, okay, yeah, you can say that. But they got rid of Frank Gore because they thought Carlos Hyde was the future and Frank Gore didn't have anything left in the tank. Frank Gore just signed another. Trent Balky. He just signed another contract. He's going to play another year in the NFL. Frank, they yeah, got rid of Frank Gore fair. for Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde ran into contact. He didn't avoid it. Kevin Barlow, just like for whatever reason, just like he just you tapped him on the shoulder, he went down. I just, I, I, there's the two running backs out of the out of the Forty Nineers pantheon of running backs that I have liked the least, and I usually love Forty Nineers running backs, but those but are the two fair, that I'm just like, ugh. The, the the whole Frank Gore, you know, getting rid of him thing for Carlos Hyde, that was like, you know, Sadler caps and semantics. That wasn't really, we want to get rid of Frank Gore. It was literally just, all right, age, money, and we're trying to usher in a new era. If all things were equal and there was no Sadler cap, Frank Gore was stuck around. I don't even know that they make that pick. Um, 
young, stupid Javier only like Kevin Barlow because he wore 32 and his helmet. <laughs> Face mask. Um, I was super into that shit because Madden was still, you could edit your player, and I would always have them mm. all with that same helmet. And if I made myself a running back, I'd always wear 32. So that's just stupid, dumb 16-year-old Javier. Um, on the other side, the Niners couldn't stop the run for shit. Tiki Barber is a guy I really don't like. Mm-hmm. Like, I just never really liked Tiki Barber. I grew up on the East Coast, so I was around a lot of Giants fans. And the Giants Giants are on the list of teams that I don't like. We talked about it before we started the show. This Niners-Giants thing, it's a, it's a real thing. There's 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 a thing here. Uh, Scott, you had a stat about this game. You want to tell the folks about that? Uh, yeah, so I was you know prepping for the show, and I happened to look up. The Niners and Giants in the regular season have faced off 41 times. The Giants have won 21 times. And the Niners have won twenty. And in the playoffs, they have faced each other exactly eight times, and they are four and four. It doesn't get more split down the middle than that. Yeah, and 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 it's real because you know you go back to Lawrence Taylor destroying Joe Montana. Like I think that's kind of where this like dislike for each other kind of started. And in this game, there's a lot of shit talk. There's a lot of uh, after the play action mm-hmm. going on mostly from Jeremy Shockey um kind of owning Mike Rumpf on a lot of plays we keep making up bringing up those names but you it's it's undeniable just they they didn't like each other this, these two teams did not like each other Jeremy Shockey um he ends up scoring a touchdown in the early part of the second quarter and he just he targets Julian Peterson like he's looking to create contact here they were so physical this Giants team um and, well, he didn't get in the end zone on that on that one play when he he targets Julian Peterson, but there is some real hatred here. They just don't like each other, and I think um, I I feel the same way. I don't like the Giants. Like I don't I didn't like Eli Manning. The only Giants player I've liked in the last twenty years is Odell Beckham, uh, partially because I want him to be a Niner. Um, <laughs> Victor Cruz is another one I actually like because he's Puerto Rican. I'm Puerto Rican, so there's that. But other than that, I don't like the Giants. I I can't stand the Giants. Oh, so I, I like I'm, Saquon. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I like Saquon. Saquon is Saquon. I think everyone likes Saquon. Yeah. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be in the minority here. I actually like the Giants. Um, my college roommate is, is one of the only people that I met that paid attention to football as much as I did, and he was a huge Giants fan. He grew up 15 minutes from Giants Stadium, um, and the 49ers were just so, 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 so bad during my college years, like we talked about on the Saints Rewind. Um, so I tried to latch on, not latch on to root for them. But I, I wanted to see some successful players, and my buddy just knew so much about the players on a basic individual level that it was just like, all right, I, I can root for these guys. I can root for them as long as they're not playing the Niners, and the Niners, oh, they're out of the playoffs. Okay, well, I got to pick a team to root for in the playoffs. And most time it was the Giants. So you know, there's certain players on the Giants I didn't like. I didn't like Strahan. I didn't like Tiki Barber. Um, my my roommate actually hated Tiki Barber, which was hilarious. He was so he happy they won so much. He yeah, not only that, he just thought he was had a piss poor attitude. But he's like, he was so happy that they won the Super Bowl against the Patriots the year after Tiki Barber retired. So and I quote, <laughs> "That motherfucker didn't get his ring." And <laughs> I love the it petty. was. It was it was great, yeah. He, he, Justin's the captain of Team Petty, so he was so pumped that they won without him. Um, so there are players that the Giants have had that I do not like. Um, Eli, I'm not a big fan of Eli, but Eli beats Patriots in the Super Bowl, so okay, he gets pass. You know, we're cool. Yeah. It's like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna beat him up. We're cool. You're not a Hall of Famer, but we're cool. 
Well, and to yes. wrap that, I'm going to split the difference between you guys and tackle both things. So the Giants don't really care about them for the most part and actually need them. It's kind of like the, the whole Boston, New York thing in baseball. They're mm. a necessary evil because they have to stop the Cowboys. So a lot of times the Giants <laughs> yeah. are just there to serve a purpose. Like if they can win two games a year and it's against the Cowboys, then they've done their job. And then the fact that they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowls, like, you know, hats off to them. And the, those teams hold a special place in my heart. The Tiki Barber thing, it it drives me nuts because I didn't like Tiki Barber at all. I don't know why he just come off as a smug D-bag. Yes, and yes. then – it, 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 like, how was it that the two people spawned from the same, you know, thing? Rondé Barber and Tampa Bay <laughs> effing loved him, man. I love me some Rondé Barber. But Tiki Barber, it was like, where did they adopt you from? I know you two look alike. I know you're identical twins, but Rondé's so much better than you could ever be. So I, I always hated Tiki for everything. And I always thought he was like oddly overrated it's like he was never considered one of the best but when he had good games people would ride him hard and i'm like nah tiki barber isn't really that good it's just if he finds holes you know anybody could have a good day like in this game i kept thinking anybody who ran for the giants that day would have had a good game period all right matt with currently no nba nhl or mlb you might think there's nothing to bet on um well you'd be wrong our exclusive partners at Bet Online still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. I know I'm missing the NFL. You missing the NFL? Well, oh, yeah. no problem. No problem at all. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices. And you know how that market's going right now. And you can even bet on the <laughs> nation's Nathan's hot dog eating contest in July. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online, your online wagering solution. Guys, looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in a discreet package. Uh, here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. Yeah, the, the the Niners they were allowing just they were just giving up huge gains on the run game. Um, after since the 49ers first score, um, it it said it on here the the first drive one play seventy six yards and a touchdown. So obviously the to touchdown for seventy six yards, and then after that they had they've had two drives, nine plays for twenty three yards. The Giants started to shut the Niners down uh, in that second in that late first quarter and then early second quarter. The Niners couldn't do shit. Um, yeah. It's fourteen to seven. Another guy that gets forgotten here is Tony Parrish. Tony Parrish got mossed by Shockey in the corner of the end zone. Um, so the the Giants are up seven, fourteen seven, and things get a little weird in this game because you know the Niners don't do much until 
you know, until late, late in the third quarter. But they do score uh, to tie this thing up at 14-14. Uh, Jeff Garcia, again, avoiding a sack, uh, avoiding multiple sacks <laughs> at times to get sacked. Um, and he runs one in uh, to the end zone. Or no, he doesn't get in. He, he falls just short. And then Kevin, he get, Kevin Barlow gets in on a uh, goal line uh, run. So Kevin Barlow mm-hmm. actually does something good in this game, and he scores a touchdown. Uh, it's 14-14. And the challenge flag, they talk about the challenge flag. I, I don't remember when the challenge thing started. Was that... 2001 or two was it after the tuck rule so it was got to be 2001 right no 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 it was it was before the tuck rule i specifically remember the play that really spurred it on there was one play and it was Vinny testaverde was the quarterback of the jets and Vinny testaverde had a quarterback sneak and the only piece of his body that crossed the plane of the the of, of the end zone was like the very tip of the crown of his helmet like I'm t- like half an inch of his helmet is crossed. His, the ball's still back on the one yard line. They called it a touchdown, and it, it won the game for the Jets. And that was when the whole NFL was like, "Holy shit, we need to fix this. Like yeah. we cannot let a play like that determine wait, a winner or wait, wait, wait. loss." Back, back up. Hold on. What year was that? I believe that was '98 or '99. And in 2020, the NFL is still like, holy shit, we got to fix this because we can't get it right. <laughs> so <laughs> they, they still haven't figured it out. Uh, yeah, so it's it's 14-14, Niners score, Kevin Barlow touchdown. Uh, Julian Peterson gets a big sack um, on I want on third down. The Niners, the Niners are getting ready to receive a punt. And the Niners have an issue with fielding punts against the fucking Giants. And Cedric Wilson muffs a punt, and this is where the Giants decide to take off. Um, he didn't just muff, muff it. He, he didn't just muff it. He called he for a fair catch, it. and he tried to Willie Mays it <laughs> over his shoulder like he's Jared Hain, the rugby sensation in the preseason who did that. Like No, it was just a miserable play from Cedric Wilson. And the best part about this is Cedric Wilson does this, and then he is immediately pulled for a guy that's the size of Trent Taylor, but he's wearing 85 like he's George Kittle. And this guy, uh, I'm trying to remember his name. Vinny uh, Sutherland. Sutherland. Come on, Vinny Sutherland. Yes, right. Vinny Sutherland. <laughs> Vinny. Vinny Sutherland becomes the punt returner for the rest of the game starting right now. Done. Uh, Cedric Wilson, sidebar, get your ass on the bench. Sidebar, I did not like Jared Hayne. I thought that was the dumbest fucking Trent Balky thing ever. <laughs> Just... By the way, and then the way Jim Tom Sula would try to explain it, like, well, yeah, he, he plays really well in the open field. You see those type of things in the rugby game. This is the NFL, Jim. Like, just stick to D-line coaching. Uh, we'll, we'll get into Jim Tom Sula later on in our podcast series. But, uh, yeah, so the Niners muffed this punt. It was just a terrible muff. The, the Giants get the ball at the 8-yard line and proceed to now the route is on because they score immediately 21-14. to and the Niners can't do shit. Like they just can't. Jeff Garcia throws an throws an interception, mm-hmm. and they score again. It's they, now you know it's twenty eight to fourteen, and it just keeps adding on and on and on. And as a Niners fan at 16, 17 years old, I'm like, you gotta be shitting me. I gotta go to school the next day and hear from these all these Giants fans that I that I, that I hang out with. And they don't shut the fuck up. I, I have a buddy who just <laughs> he still talks shit. I'm like, dude, you guys won two games last year. Like, be quiet. You know. Um, but that's just the way of fanhood. Um, when this muff punt happened, uh, I know you were watching this, Matt. You said your your dad was pretty positive. Were you starting to get nervous? No. So I was still overtly positive. I mean, I'm, I'm talking this whole game. 
I was convinced they were just going to force feed the ball to T.O. And he was just going to do T.O. things and take it to the house. Well, just he like that. he did on his first catch. Like, that's <laughs> legitimately my whole thought process behind this. Was that the 49ers, I don't care how much they're down. They've got T.O. They can do this. And I loved Eric Johnson, too, the tight end. I'm like, they got Eric Johnson. They got T.O. They're going to be fine. They're going to do this. And that's it, literally the whole time. That's all I remember. Because I remember my dad was being positive at the same time. He's like, kind of looking at me funny. Like, fuck's the matter with this kid? And doesn't he know when they're going to lose? And, you know, it's just, I don't know. I was, I was just so positive the whole time. The yeah. Whole time. I, I don't know not. how because I was trying to blend 18-year-old me with 35-year-old me and think, okay, how would have I felt when I was watching this game if it was live and how would I do it now? And the the general consensus that I, I come to is I'd have had to get up and walk away from this game for a minute because <laughs> it was it was like hopeless. Like if you're watching this and it got up to you know when it got to thirty eight to fourteen, I'm sitting there thinking this game's over. And I mean I would have been like, all right, well it it, it kind of reminded me about how I felt in the the Raven Super Bowl where you're like, all right, mm-hmm. well you know what we're here, man. Things didn't go our way, but f it. Let's just enjoy the rest of the evening and whatever. And then they start to come back, and you're like, oh crap. But in that time, I'm like, I know me, and I would have been like, all right, well it was a good season. Let's just <laughs> ride this out. <laughs> yeah. So the not the uh, score is twenty one fourteen. Uh, Amani Toomer decides to, like it's like we talked about, decides to be Jay Rice. He finishes the game with with eight receptions, 136 yards, and three touchdowns. So he pretty much matches To, um, mm-hmm. just about matches To in this game. So we had a really good uh, wide receiver matchup here. Amani Toomer is another guy I forgot about just because you know we've we've we see this this surge of wide receivers from Julio to Michael Thomas to Odell Landry. You know since this time. Um, that's a guy that gets forgotten, and he had he had some really good years as a Giant. Um, and in this game, he just decides to go off, and the Niners get the ball back. They're force feeding To. To is wide open. He no matter who, whoever's on him, he's 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 eaten. It doesn't even matter. Um, but that's the problem. You only had one one guy catching the bat, catching mm-hmm. the ball, so mm-hmm. they can target that. And the Niners, they just their offense stalls, continues to stall. Um, and like I said, Jeff Garcia throws an interception, and here come the Giants again. They get the ball back at their own fifty. Um, <laughs> Guys, uh, Jason I, Seahorn has an interception. That's that's the one we want to talk about here. Jason Seahorn, uh, you meant you mentioned it earlier, Scott, on the ability for white cornerbacks to hold it down. Yeah, I, but real quick before we get past the Imani Tumor thing, the thing that frustrated me the most about this is because Imani Tumor was one of those guys that you never feared and you never worried about it. And I'm looking up his stats right now as we're talking about this. Man, the most touchdowns this dude had in the season was eight, and it was in 2002. <laughs> he scored almost half of the touchdowns he scored for the whole season in one game. Like, they let Amani Tumor do that to him. Like, how ridiculous Mike Rumpf. is that? Well, it wasn't oh. just Mike Rumpf, though. Was, um, um, Ahmed Plummer yeah, in the first Ahmed half was getting, was, was getting eaten alive. He's getting eaten alive in this game. 
and that 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 stinks to say because I loved him, Bob Plummer, but he was getting yeah. But but that leads into what we were talking about with the the, the defensive backs and God, whew. yeah, we were talking about it at the group chat earlier. And Jason Seahorn, he, he's there, <laughs> and God love him, like he tries so hard. That's the best thing you could say about him. His mom loves him, and he's out there doing his thing for white cornerbacks, but it just <laughs> wasn't happening. And he would have a, a shining moment every once in a blue moon where people would be like, "See, he can play cornerback in this league." but everybody knew he wasn't good and he got his cookies taken from him in this game <laughs> yeah it's uh it gets pretty bad for jason seahorn later on in the game uh the niners can't run the ball save their life and i will just props to the left and right tackle for the niners in this game scott craig and Derek deese they kind of kept straight hand in check for most of this game so i just want to notate that there those two guys held it down remember jeremy newberry that was a, a name that kind of Brought me back to my childhood. I was like, oh, shit, oh, I yeah. forgot all about Newberry. Um, so, yeah, you know, T.O., and I'm sorry, J- Jeff Garcia throws the interception. Seahorn is the, you know, he has the interception there. And then the Giants proceed to work their way down the field again. Tiki Barber, more yardage. Amani Toomer, more yardage. They're going at Ahmad Plummer. They're going at Mike Rumpf. They're picking on Tony Parrish. They're picking on all these backup safeties. Jim Mora looks absolutely clueless. I want to say Jim Mora Jr. might be the most overrated coach to have ever coached in the NFL and in college. He was terrible at UCLA. He, was, he wasn't he was very good as a head coach and as a defensive coordinator. I didn't care for him personally. Um, where are we with Jim Mora? I was, I was upset as a 14-year-old that <laughs> Jim Mora didn't get the job after Mooch was fired. <laughs> I was My upset. Man. Now, I was upset now. Now, now, they hired Dennis fucking Erickson. So, could they really have been that worse off if they brought in Jim Mora Jr. and I learned my lesson the hard way? Instead, he went to Atlanta and Atlanta learned their lesson the hard way? I don't know. I was upset. I was upset. No, I, looking back now, I mean, I, Mora was just, the amount of talent they had on that defense and they couldn't put it together, I, I don't know. That was, that was a lot of really good defensive players and they just could never get it all to work. No, Matt nails it. See, at the time, and I was like just in that where I, you know, didn't follow the draft enough to know past the first couple rounds, but the head coaching thing, I was very into that. And I remember, you know, the whole thing surrounding Mooch, you know, was he going to get an extension? Were they going to move on? And I loved Mooch so much. I did not want to see Mooch leave. But if they were going to let him go, it was one of those things where it's like, well, we might as well have continuity. So I thought Jim Moore Jr. was the easy answer for that. And, you know, yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty, and it probably wouldn't have been much better. But you can't tell me that they would have been a worse team if they hadn't hired Dennis Erickson. Because that that infuriated me when they when they hired him. Because I didn't understand why they went outside the organization and why they went to him. It wasn't like he was a hot coaching hire. Like there was nothing about it. Dennis Erickson that said, yeah, he's going to carry this torch and do better than Mooch. So they might as well have just went on ahead and hired Jim Moore Jr. If they were going to, you know, go the route of Dennis Erickson. So, yeah, I, I mean, I was fine with, you know, maybe not keeping Mooch just based off what they decided, but I was not cool with them not hiring Jim Moore Jr. and going with uh, Erickson instead. I was just pissed off they fired Mooch. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's really what it boils down to. <laughs> like, that, after firing Mooch, that's when shit just went haywire. And, I, you know, 
reading in and reading and and, just, and hearing other folks talk about what the Niners were trying to do, they'd gotten themselves in a really bad cap situation with all their players. Obviously, T.O., Jeff Garcia, Julian Peterson, Brian Young. You know, those guys were making big money and they couldn't afford to keep these guys. So that's part of where the Prague Marathe thing started to come into play, where, you know, they hired Prague and then they the Niners have tried to keep themselves out of a cap cap hell. So they're more so what they are now, where they're in position to do what they do currently as opposed to what they were doing in the early 2000s. Um, so, you know, this game, it gets to 28-14, and mm-hmm. Niners still can't do nothing. They can't run. They can't pass. Jeff Terrell Owens is getting his, but nothing other than that. Ty Streets, J.J. Stokes can't catch a cold. Uh, brick hands from all those guys. And the Giants just keep taking control. They have so much momentum in this game. And Tiki Barber is just finding lane after lane after lane to run through. Um, and the Niners were one of the worst defenses in football on third down. So the Giants are getting every third down they could possibly get. It was insane watching this game. Um, mm-hmm. I know rewatching this game, I was getting frustrated. I was like, what the? F- Where's Robert Sala? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, it's, and I, like I said, I forgot about some of these, these, these DBs. They, they just had trouble with. Amani Toomer and Jeremy Shockey. It was just blowing my mind at how bad they were. And it's, it's just rewatching. I'm like, what the hell is going on? What I don't I don't remember the Niners being that bad. And Jeff Garcia wasn't having that bad of a game. At, at 10 minutes in the third quarter, Jeff Garcia is 9 for 15, 100 and some odd yards, one touchdown, one TD. And T.O. has four catches for 102 and a touchdown. It's not like the Niners haven't done anything. It's just they, after that first drive, they just couldn't do shit and... Um, there's a lot of stroking of Jason Seahorn's ego in this game by Chris Collinsworth and Troy and Joe Buck and, you know, Johnson and Ty Street and J.J. Stokes just can't catch anything. So Jeff Garcia is getting frustrated. The team's starting to get frustrated, and this game is getting out of hand. Uh, before you know it, it's 35 to 14. Average weight loss, 15.4 pounds in first two months. For guarantee, cancel within first 14 days. Discount with two months of auto delivery. Food charge and shipped every four weeks. Call or see website for details. Do you want to lose 18 pounds fast and improve your health? Now you can lose up to 18 pounds in your first two months with Nutrisystem. Get delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners, even snacks and shakes delivered safely to your door. All delivered for free. It's easy to follow, and you'll see results in your first week. Just text BODY to 323232. You'll get your favorite foods made healthier and perfectly balanced to put your body in fat-burning mode. Text Body to 323232 right now and get 50% off a month of meals and shakes. That's right, 50% off a month of meals and 50% off a month of shakes with probiotics to help support your immune system. Just text BODY to 323232 right now. There's even a money-back guarantee. Millions of people have lost weight with Nutrisystem, and you can too. Lose up to 18 pounds in your first two months. Just text BODY to 323232. That's B-O-D-Y to 323232. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for occurring Automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop to opt out. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And I'm, I'm ready to go to my room. I'm in my house. And as we all know, me this year, I pace a lot. So I'm pacing in my living room. And I'm like getting <laughs> frustrated. And I'm around my brother. Me and my brother, we talk a lot of shit to each other. And he's just in my ear this entire time. I'm like, shut the fuck up. 
and rewatching this game took me back to that. It's just very frustrating when you have a household that's not on the same page for teams. It's just uh, the way life goes, I guess. Yeah, you also heard the Boo Birds come out. The candlestick. Oh, yeah. And that, that started actually kind of early. It started when the, the Niners were down 21-14, and they went three and out. They couldn't run. You, you, you couldn't run the ball, so they're trying to force the run. They're trying to force. They're trying to force. They couldn't do it. So the Boo Birds come out early and often. And, and, and that's that's a product of the time. In, in 2002, 2003, when this game was played, the 49ers were fresh off their Steve Young years. They're still expecting top-tier excellence. There was a couple down years when they when they transitioned from Steve Young to Jeff Garcia. But once they got back, they were expecting, hey, this team has five Super Bowl wins. We win Super Bowls. That's what we do. So the, the Boo Birds out super early in this game, super early, and they continued all the way through halftime and into the third quarter. And not only that, though, I mean, they were expected to win this game. I mean, it's at home. I understood why the fans were like, there's very few times when I'm like on board with fans booing the home home team and like getting on them for. But this was one of those times that I'm like, man, they they actually should have because they're (laughs) supposed to be winning this game. And again, they're getting beat by you can uh, accept that, you know, Jeremy Shockey is going to beat you and do that. But when Imani Toomer and, 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 you know, Harry Collins are out here just beating your ass up and down the field. Like, that that pisses you off as a fan. Like, that's not supposed to happen. And so I actually understood. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Boo, because that, that's how I felt. Yeah. <laughs> and this game, you know, we were talking about it uh, before the before the pod. This game takes a turn, and it takes a turn when the, the Giants are up 35-14. to 14. They are at, I want to say, the two- or three-yard line, and they can't get in. Two passes yeah. to Jeremy Shockey. He almost gets in on the one, and the other one's overthrown. And the tides change a little bit. They make they have the field goal. They go up 38-14. to 14. Um, Niners are still down big. And this is where the comeback starts. And the Niners decide to go no huddle. No huddle was something that wasn't very common either um, in 2002. Mm-hmm. You know, now you see that more often, this hurry-up offense. Mooch was ahead of his time. Mooch was... I love Mooch. I, I, I still just, love him. Still, I, yeah. I would hire him today. I met Mooch at the NFL draft in Dallas. He signed my hat. Super cool dude. Awesome person. But, you know, he was my head coach for all these years. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed him as a head coach. And then, you know, we're rewatching this game. I forgot that the Niners went no huddle. And they just kept the pressure on the Giants. And everything started to work. Jeff Garcia started dialing up. Terrell Owens in the slot. On the outside, they lined T.O. up in the slot, and it was over for Jason Seahorn. It was over. Yeah, it was. It was. It was the big slot again, ahead of its time. Right, putting Michael Thomas in the slot. They put T.O. in the slot, and they said, "Just get open," because not only was it over for Jason Seahorn, but the Giants didn't know what to do. Because in 2002, the base defense was the base defense. Yep. Troy, Troy Aikman even made a, a statement saying, "Oh, when you come out and pass on first down, you really catch defenses off guard." Yeah. Holy shit. How far have we come that passing on first down is an anomaly? That's that's just what you do now, right? You just pass on first down. It's Kyle Shanahan, and you run the ball 18 times, and he pass once. It's just, I, it was nuts. And, and, you know, speaking of Mooch and, and Jeff Garcia being ahead of their time sort of thing, I just really quickly want to touch on the fact that they got done really dirty after the 49ers. Because Mooch had to go to Detroit and try and coach through Matt Millen's draft picks 
Ugh. And Jeff Garcia had to bounce around between like the Lions and, and the Browns and a bunch of other bad teams before he finally found some success towards the very end of his career in Philadelphia. But both of them got done very dirty after they left the 49ers. Yeah. Very dirty. Yeah, no, I agree. That's um, I, it hurt me in both instances too. Because yeah. again, I loved both of them, and it, mm-hmm. it it seemingly like you know I understood the salary cap and I understood you know the politics that go on with you know the front office and all that, but it it still didn't make sense at the time where you're just like, why does all of this have to change so suddenly? Where you've got this winning formula and it's just like overnight. Well, it's gone. Yeah. It's yeah. uh, it's it's frustrating, and you know we, we see that now with the Niners currently, and I, I give a lot of props to John Lynch, John Lynch for what he's done. You know, yes, you had to let go of DeForest Buckner for cap reasons. Joe Staley retires, Emmanuel Sanders has to go, and you find your replacements in the draft. And they, you you know you're learning a little bit more about how the NFL operates, and um, that's just how it works. But um, back to this game, they're 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 in this no huddle and. They're feeding T.O. They're repeatedly feeding T.O. Ty Streets decide to catch a pass. Johnson decides to catch a pass. And they are marching down the field. Um, they get into the 30, and they get the ball back to T.O. again against Jason Seahorn. Uh, T.O. is just disgusting. He he gets uh, – they, they, Jason Seahorn tries to wrap him up from behind. T.O. says no, just takes off, and takes it all the way into the end zone. Now it's 20-38. to 38. And we have a two-point conversion try. And this is the Michael Strahan point at the scoreboard mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. And, Scott, what, what were you saying about Michael Strahan here? Michael Strahan's <laughs> a bitch. Like, I mean, like, like there, there's no other way. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like, I, I don't think that he's the, the true sack record holder. I, I think that that's a farce. And, and throughout his entire career, he was a whiner. And the fact that he was pointing up at the scoreboard, trying to tell T.O., oh, you know, watch the scoreboard. Obviously, knowing the outcome, it, it's funnier after the fact. But it was just one of those things. It was like, Michael Strahan needed to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Because, you yeah, know, it's even. Where, it's the moment where you just, you just chill. Let yeah. T.O. be T.O. You know who T.O. is. It's no surprise by this point. He's not some rookie. That's t- This is who T.O. is. If he wants to roll the ball around and, and strut a little bit, you let him strut because I think once Strahan pointed at the scoreboard, <laughs> the whole sideline was pissed. Yep. And they were ready to come out and play. And that's not even his game. I mean, Michael Strahan's not really a shit talker. I mean, if you can understand him through the gap tooth, he's hey, talking hey, very hey, like hey, politically. Hey. Like, <laughs> there's there's nothing about him that's a shit talk. So when he does it, it seems very out of character. Yeah, and you know, right after that two point conversion, it's twenty two to thirty eight. To and Jeff Garcia, and I want to say it's Ty Street, and To is in Garcia's ear, like, "Give me the ball. I don't care. Give me the ball." And you know, I, this is. Just while watching this, I'm like, Jesus Christ, we lived through Kyle Williams, Michael Crabtree, Jeremy Curley. Like, we haven't had a receiver who demanded this much respect since T.O. And it, it, this game was just a reminder of that. And I'm like, God, I miss Terrell Owens. God, I miss Jerry Rice. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even even Anquan Bolden while he was here. I, I, missed, I miss Bolden. Like, those type of guys is what I want for this future Niners team. So hopefully Debo and Ayuk are, are guys like that. But um, rewatching this game, is this the best Terrell Owens performance of all time? Scott, what do you got? 
Uh, I'm gonna go with the Dallas game. The, the you know the George Teague you know get off my star, but the the you know star game just because I hate Dallas and nothing <laughs> will ever beat the fact that he stood on that star and had all the attention. They called it disrespectful, and I still remember. I mean, my brother's a Cowboys fan, and he he was talking all kinds of mad stuff, and we were in each other's faces, and he was like legitimately mad. We were in each other's throats, and I'm like, hey man, stop him if you you know, and then. You know, Emmett comes out and he he mean mugs and slams the ball down. And so for me, the best T.O. game ever in a 49ers uniform is that 49ers game. But it it was amazing. Like, not that I ever forgot how good T.O. was, but on that first catch when he took it to the house oh, on yeah. that 76 yard, it was just like, oh, wait, that's right. When T.O. was good and T.O. was, <laughs> you know, on his game, there was nobody who could stop him. Yeah. And that's yeah. the. The thing with T.O. I appreciate it. Like, I know Matt has Randy as two, but T.O. would go over the middle, take a hit, bounce off, and take it to the house still. Randy was not going over the middle. That's why I have T.O. too. But uh, what, what was your best T.O. game, Matt? So real quick, while you're bringing up Randy Moss and T.O., I want to say that they are both supremely talented and way more talented than Jerry Rice ever was. I'll say that right now. The difference is Jerry Rice Are you going to try worked... to lose subscribers? Is that no, what you're Jerry, to Rice, Jerry Rice worked harder than anyone. <laughs> He worked. He had supreme talent. He worked harder than anyone. But when when Randy Moss and, and T.O. cared and were motivated and wanted to play, watch the fuck out. No one's gonna stop them. That's fair. And this is this was one of those games that we saw. It's just like it's just like we're all watching Last Dance, right? We're all watching this Michael Jordan documentary. And when Michael Jordan was told he couldn't do something, he just went out and did it. And and and, he, and Michael Jordan could create that in his head, and he could do that in day in day in day out. Jerry Rice was the same way. To and Randy Moss actually needed someone to say, "Hey, you can't do this." <laughs> they needed Michael Strahan to point at the scoreboard. They needed something to actually motivate them to do it. So that's why they are not number one. Number one goes to the guy who can do it in and out every day, every night, no matter what. It's Jerry Rice. Now, my best To game. It's Monday night. It's in Seattle. T.O. burns Sean Springs, scores a touchdown, 37-yard touchdown, I believe, pulls the Sharpie out of his sock, signs the football, gives it to his financial manager, who is also the financial manager for Sean Springs. It's just, <laughs> just such a nice touch on that one. Um, but even in that game, he had six catches, 86 yards, and two touchdowns. Like It's just going in, beating a division rival on the road, on Monday Night Football, huge, love to see it. Love seeing the Seahawks get torched, just like Scott loves seeing the Cowboys get torched. It's just sometimes it comes against teams that you like to see lose, and and that's just what happened for me. I love that Seattle game because I thought that was a huge statement game for him. Yeah, this was uh, this wildcard game is a s- number two for me, but number one is the second half explosion against the Falcons um, in two thousand and one. The Niners. T.O. didn't have a catch the entire first half, and then he explodes in the second half. Nine receptions, 183 yards, and three touchdowns. He also has a game-winning touchdown in overtime, uh, 52 yards. So T.O. at his peak was insane. Like you said, you know, just he needed a little extra motivation. And that the 2001 game, if anyone remembers, if the clip of him talking into the camera, get your popcorn ready, he repeats it and repeats it at the beginning of the second half. And he proceeds to absolutely own the Atlanta Falcons in that game. The Niners were in the Niners came into that game three and one, and the Falcons were two and two 
the Niners were expected to win the game big, but they ended up winning by six points in overtime. Um, the Niners came out, they just they stunk up the place in the first half, and T.O. completely takes over. That's the beauty of having a wide receiver like that. When you have a guy like T.O., Jerry, Julio, um, Randy, when you need something to take over, they take over. So in this in this wildcard game, uh, through two minutes left in the third quarter, T.O. has six catches, 140 yards, two touchdowns, 117 yards after the catch. Kyle Shanahan, <laughs> Kyle Shanahan has a boner right now with all that yak. <laughs> Yards after the catch is, you know, people make fun of our current Niners. Oh, they had so much yards after the catch. I don't care how you score, just score. I don't care how you get your yards, just get the yards. Um, so that's just a stupid knock on certain individuals uh, in the league right now. Oh, he has so much yak. That's the kind of the point, isn't it? Um, but yeah, T.O., 6 for 142 touchdowns, 117 yards after the catch, and it's 38 to 22 with two minutes left in the third quarter. Um, the Niners are pissed off, like you guys said. You know, Strahan pointing to the scoreboard. And here come the Niners' defense. They decide to show up. They show up on third down. They show up on early downs. They they're getting tackles for losses. They're put. They're they're bottling up Tiki Barber, Ron Dane. Remember Ron Dane, that big yeah. ass dude. Um, Brian Young in for a sack. Engelberger in for a sack. They're just all over Kerry Collins in this third quarter. At the end of the third quarter, and Julian Peterson is going nuts. Um, mm-hmm. The defense decides to wake up. The Niners get the ball back. Um, and we have, they have the on the punt, uh, Trent Taylor uh, back there. Fair catches the ball, and uh, <laughs> he gets hit after the fair catch. So you know, automatically it's another 15 yards. The Niners have a play on a short field, and they're already in scoring position. And here comes Jeff Garcia and the offense. Fred Beasley, another guy that we forgot about, or I forgot about. The Niners. I never the ball. forgot about. The Niners always had a fullback, huh? Like Juszczyk, Beasley, always. Tom Rathman. That's just a Niner way. Fullback you, baby. I'm just glad uh, Kyle Shanahan brought that back. You know, having uh, a yeah, fullback. Yeah, they had and uh, even Warren Norris. They had Warren Norris. Norris. They had Warren Norris under Norris. under Harbaugh too. So <laughs> yeah, they had Bruce Miller before he decided to, to beat up the geriatrics. I mean, <laughs> they have they had a lot of. They've always had a good fullback. And wait, wait, we're going down memory lane. Can, can I pause because I actually got a little heated there for a second. I realized for living in Ohio, I want everybody to know that I am not a Big Ten fan. I give no fucks about Ohio State or Michigan, but there's so much talk about Ohio State and Michigan former players on this show so far between Sean Springs, Toomer, Ty Streets, and Ahmad Plummer. I'm like, man, how many Big Ten people were involved in this game? Too Big many Ten. for my liking. Big Ten puts a lot of guys in the league. You know this. Um, and most so, of them are trash, though. You, you better stop. You got to stop. You got to stop. <laughs> um, so the Niners have a thing about running quarterbacks in playoff games. And who yeah. wants to take this? Jeff Garcia, Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick, they decide to run it in. And who wants to take this one here? It's 14 minutes, 14.56 left in the game. Jeff Garcia. I'll take this one because this one's just, it's such a funny play because they ran it out of the pro set. If yeah. you remember what the pro set is, like, I mean, congratulations. You remember what pogs are, too. Because the pro set is so <laughs> such a dated, such a it dated. It was such a 90s setup. Yeah, it was like it's like what Madden 96 has. Like you ran out of the pro set, right? You got the fullback on one side, you got the running back on the other. You ran it to the right because the fullback was on the right. He's already ready to lead block. It was the most ridiculous formation running out of. They, they fake the handoff. This is where I was talking about the read option thing. They fake the handoff to, I believe it was to Beasley. Yeah. But they didn't even try and hand it off to Barlow or or, or or Hurst or an actual running back. They're getting ready to hand it off to the fullback. 
the the defensive end completely bites. And Jeff Garcia runs straight into the end zone, which, by the way, was aided by a fantastic block from Garrison J.J. Hurst. Stokes. No, J.J. Well, yeah, Garrison Hurst too, but J.J. Stokes. Oh, okay. Stuffed the guy on the outside. Like, I mean, he he, he had the corner on lockdown. Wasn't going to get past him. And then I remember the Jeff Garcia celebration. You have to watch it. Oh, yeah. He kind of like fakes, but he doesn't like try and spike the ball. He's pushed, he's like holds the ball up and down, up and down. When we were playing backyard football, I did that celebration every goddamn touchdown <laughs> I scored. Every goddamn one. I, I yeah. just, just floated the ball there and screamed and screamed at like the neighbor kid, like, Ryan! <laughs> and and like just pumped the ball at him. And that's that's what I did because it, this this play was just so much fun to watch because it's something you didn't see. You didn't yeah. see this. This wasn't Michael Vick. This wasn't a play broke down and he scrambled for a touchdown. This was a designed run. And it completely caught the Giants off guard. They had no shot at defending this. Not one. Yeah. The Niners have full momentum now. Like, they just can't be stopped on offense. They were aided by some penalties and obviously some short fields. But the Giants had kept the Niners in check all game. And now they can't stop anything. And it's it's crazy because, you know, Jeff Garcia and T.O. are just clicking nonstop. T.O. gets a two-point conversion. Now it's 30-38. to 38 And T.O. is talking. And I'm, I love when T.O. starts to talk. He's talking. Strahan is not looking at anybody. He just runs off the field. Um, the Candlestick Park is going nuts. The crowd is back in it. Giants fans looked look like they've looked the last five seasons because they're they're just getting their ass kicked now. And the you know stars show up. To showed up. Jeff Garcia was at you know I think at his peak here. Um, you know with the Niners and it was just I'm I'm getting hype again because I'm watching the game. I'm like, <laughs> yo, we're about to win this game, and you know we're coming back, and there's so much time left because. It's just it's the beginning of the fourth quarter. You know, there's like 13 minutes left. Yeah, there's 14 and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. We're only down by eight. That is manageable. You're only down two scores, or just you know, or one score if you get a two point conversion. Two point conversion wasn't a big thing then, um, but the Niners managed to complete two com- two point conversions, and the Giants are back on offense and they can't do anything again. Um, so what you're saying is when Shockey wasn't able to hold onto that touchdown and they weren't able to convert, that was when the lights went off in the Superdome. Because that's about how I felt, where I'm like, okay, something happens, and all of a sudden momentum shifts, and the other team can't quite get it back. It was exactly like that Super Bowl game where it was like, oh, crap, I'm back into yeah. this. We got a chance. We're going to win this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how I felt. That's how I felt last night rewatching it again. And – um you know, the, the Giants get the ball back. They go three and out. They, they have a really good punt this time. Uh, the Niners get the ball at about their 17, 18-yard line, and they proceed to drive down the field again. Uh, Johnson with a big reception. Um, and, you know, here we go. The Niners are back on the run. Uh, they get into field goal range. And, yeah. So, yeah, they're in the field goal range. They get wait, the field wait, wait, goal. wait, 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 back up real quick. Because that Johnson reception, there was one thing that I, I needed to point out. One, it looked like he was running in quicksand. He was yes. so slow. And then two, <laughs> when they cut to T.O. laughing about the play. I couldn't figure out if he was laughing that Johnson was so wide open or about how slow he was running and the fact that he got up. But it was just like the whole, like, 
entirety of that play just it, I, I remember thinking I need to point that out during the pod because it was a moment that just made me laugh like T.O. laughing and, and Johnson trying his best to you know run as fast as he can but he's big and slow and plotting yeah he was so wide open it was Kyle Shanahan-esque how wide open the tight end was and that was um, you know they get down into into field goal range essentially um, Garcia takes a shot at the end zone misses T.O. just by a little um, and if if Garcia leads T.O. there, that's a touchdown. That was just a walk-in touchdown. Um, so the Niners settle for a field goal. Um, to quote the great Matt Barr, take a drink inside their 20. Uh, it's 33-38, to 38, seven minutes to go, and here comes the chippiness. Uh, the Giants aren't liking the fact that the Niners are coming back. Shockey mm-hmm. is, you know, running guys out of bounds. It's getting, it's getting really chippy, and then... You know, Chris Collinsworth and, and Joe Buck and Aikman on their high horses. Oh, this is not, you know, this is this is irresponsible. And, you know, they take, they're taking shots at T.O., etc. Um, it, this game gets really, really chippy, and I thoroughly enjoy it. And this is where, like, I'm not allowed to curse in my parents' house when I was 16. I'm just saying them in my head. I'm like, fuck you, Shockey, and, and cursing out these players <laughs> no. in my head. And I'm just getting so pissed off, and, you know, I'm biting my nails. I have nothing left in my fingers because I'm just so nervous and – I've always I've been a Niners, diehard Niners fan since I was a kid, and this is probably the most important game I had like actually understood and watched during that run. You know what I mean? Obviously, you still had the, the Packers and Niners games in '98 and things like that, but this one where I was like mm-hmm. really conscious of what was going on. Um, I remember just going absolutely apeshit during this game. Um, what's going through you guys' head at this time of the game? I told y'all just force feed the goddamn ball to T.O. and we were gonna be fine. <laughs> I was telling people this in the second quarter. No, I'm I'm seriously like I'm on the I'm on the same level. I I am like I'm now I'm even more confident that they're gonna win this game. Four Niners are gonna they're gonna they're gonna smoke them from here, and it's gonna be game over. There's gonna be no questions left. Well, it was clear at that point that though they were just completely in their heads. Like the Giants had, you know, you've seen this in so many other playoff games and so many other like big games where they had these type of comebacks where it's like. The team gets up and everybody thinks the game is over. Fans, the announcers, everybody's just cruising. And then the other team starts to come back and then you can't flip that switch again. And so the Giants are sitting there scrambling and they're doing everything they can. And the only retaliation they have is to try to like fake bravado and start, you know, trying to fight and and, Mm -hmm. and getting violent. And so you're, you're seeing that happen and you're like, okay, they're in their head. But I'm not quite there with the, oh, okay, this is over, only because I'm sitting there thinking, even even watching this game, knowing the outcome, I'm like, God, I would have been sitting there thinking, they're still going to find a way to lose this game by a field goal, like, because that's <laughs> all it's going to take. And, like, so I'm still, you know, nervous, but it, you do have that feeling like, okay, the ball is rolling and the Giants can't stop it. Yeah, so the Niners um... – Proceed to stop them. It's fourth and one. And this is where the long snapper comes into play. Junkin, a 41-year-old journeyman, signed earlier that week. Um, He had been fine all game with extra points. He was fine except for maybe one punt. And he low snaps the ball. And Matt Allen couldn't handle it correctly. And the kicker completely shanks it. So now it's 38 to 33. The Niners get the ball, you know, and the crowd is going nuts because you're only down five with three minutes left in the game. You have plenty of time here to get into 
to get a touchdown because the Niners have been driving all game. Yeah, the last drive, they only got three out of it, but they were in position to score. If Jeff miss, if Jeff Jeff throws the ball just a hair in front of T.O. earlier in that uh, earlier in, in the third in the fourth quarter, that's a touchdown. So the Niners get the ball back. Ty Streets, J.J. Stokes, they start catching everything, and they're mm-hmm. moving up and down the field. Terrell Owens has another big reception, and here we go. It's one minute and thirty six seconds left. Niners are at their fifty, and here comes the Johnson play. He's wide open on it out. And he goes for 25, 26 yards. And like you said, he's running in quicksand. Again, it looks like he has weights attached to his feet. But they're in scoring position now. A minute and 26 left. He steps out of bounds. Clock stops. And the Giants have no answers to what the Niners are doing. Everyone's trying to cover T.O. Leaves Johnson wide open. He had brick hands most of his career. uh, But he made a really good reception there. And gets into scoring position for the Niners. And... This is when I'm going nuts in the house. It's, it's, it's pandemonium, you know. And then Jeff Garcia takes off on the next play, you know, just making things happen. They had no quit. That's one thing I preach about the Niners in playoff games. They have no quit ever, even in the games that they lost. You know, those Packer games, things like that. Just as a franchise, they they stay competitive in playoff games. Obviously, the week after they play Tampa, Tampa's just a different story. But when they're at home, they play their ass off at home during playoff games. Um, and Jeff Garcia is a tough son of a bitch. Like, he took some yeah. hits after he after he was running the ball. So, Jeff, to get up after those receptions, after those runs is just nuts. Uh, I'm watching Shockey now go ape shit on the sideline. He's just being a bitch right now, too. Yeah, you want to talk about uh, Jeff Garcia taking hits. Um, to, to let you know how long ago 2002 was, um, about the two-minute warning before halftime, the clock malfunctioned, like the play clock on the field, and it had some wonky, like, just lighting going on with it, right? Like, it wasn't saying anything. And Joe Buck just casually looked at Troy Aikman and says, oh, there's more than one time you uh, you saw the clock looking like that, huh? And it was a very clear <laughs> concussion joke. And in 2002, like, that's just okay. That slides. Like, we can just, we can just slide in some, some concussion <laughs> jokes here about quarterbacks having their brains turned to mush. And, like, obviously you can't do that anymore. And Troy Aikman, I think his response was, yeah, you know, you don't see – the only time I really saw that was I was sitting on the bench with a bag of ice on my head. Like, hey, great concussion <laughs> protocol there, guys. Hey, it's just, just a sign of how the times have just completely changed. But, yeah, Jeff Garcia did take a, a pretty brutal beating throughout this game. And a lot of it is kind of his own fault because he likes to dive head first instead of sliding. Yeah. And when you dive head first, you're fair game, man. Yeah. I can't believe I'm the one bringing this up, but just to rewind a little bit, you know when Matt Bryant missed that kick just prior to that? They brought up Matt Barr in the 1990 NFC Championship game. Yeah, and I'm sitting did. there watching, and I was like, did anybody else know this said Matt Barr? I jotted it down because I'm like, <laughs> I got to remember to bring that up during the pod because they specifically said Matt Barr, the Giants kicker. Like, how ironic is that? Yeah, spelled B-A-H-R. Um, and- it's Sierra, new ambassador for WW. Weight Watchers Reimagined. The new MyWW Plus, our most holistic program ever, helps you tackle the many elements that contribute to weight loss with tools to plan meals and get you moving. Join today with a limited time offer at WW.com. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? 
I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And actually, so my parents wanted to name my brother Chris. Funny story. So it's just me and my brother. They named him Mark because my dad, there was two There was two kickers in the NFL, Matt and Chris Barr. And my dad's like, I'm not naming my kids after fucking kickers. It's not <laughs> oh, <well>. happening. <laughs> Matt and Chris were family names. They just pulled one out of their ass and they said Mark because they're like, we're not naming them after kickers. So then what happened with you? Yeah, what the fuck happened? I don't know. I mean, family name, dude. I'm just I'm named after a kicker. I'm built like a kicker. Like, it, works. <laughs> it worked, man. Fair enough. Just oh. wanted to make sure that that got in there because I noted it. I was like, Matt Barr. <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> so the Niners are at their 15. It's second and 10. Jeff Garcia takes snap, five-step drop, throws a bullet into the arms of Ty Street, who had a horrible game, but he makes the game-winning reception. It is now 39-38 to with a minute left, and Candlestick is going nuts. We have all these moments in, in 49er history, and this one... I forgot who caught the who caught the winning touchdown in this game. I could have swore <laughs> it was T.O. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And it was Ty Street. And I'm like, wait a second. I thought T.O. caught this one. But, you know, it, it, the unsung heroes of it, you know, of this this time for the Niners was these, these low-level, not I shouldn't say low-level, but these guys who were, you know, your wide receiver three, wide receiver four, they made some big plays for Jeff Garcia down the stretch. And these Giants defensive backs are bitching and moaning because they wanted to pass an interference call. They weren't going to get it. Um you know, and T.O. is talking crazy shit to Williams. It, it's beautiful. They're, now we're getting really, really chippy. It's a minute left, 39-38, and I'm jumping up and down in my living room. I'm going absolutely nuts. And, you know, there's too much time left, though. You know, we've we, we, we've we watched enough football to know yep. that a minute is a lot. But that is Kerry Collins. It's not Aaron Rodgers. It's not Tom Brady. Um, knowing what we know now. It's um, not Patrick Mahomes. Shut the fuck up. God damn it, Scott. <laughs> God. I mean, God, why I, we invite I, you on here? Oh. It was it was right there. Like, I mean, come on, we got to laugh at it so we can get past it, right? Uh, yeah, I've watched it. Yeah. I'm past it. <laughs> so, so you're you're talking about it getting chippy and it it, it got like way chippy. So, um the 49ers lined up for a two-point conversion, it failed. Um yep. and <laughs> TO talks a lot of shit. And he ends up, I think it was him that he threw one of the Giants players like in the sideline. Yep. He threw Williams like, throws in the sideline. Th- throws him in the sideline. And then the Giants, not being able to keep their cool, come over and just like bash T.O. in the back of the head. And like, so offsetting 15 yard penalties. The 49ers would have been kicking off from their own 15. Because reminder, this is when they kicked off from the 30. Yeah. They would have been kicking off from their own 15. Giants would have had the ball probably at the 40-45 to start their drive with a minute left trying to win the game. There's just so many times where the the, the Niners poke the bear, the Giants <laughs> retaliated, and the Giants just got the flags thrown on them. And uh, He was ejected. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what was it? Bull, it wasn't Bullware. Um, Stoutmeyer. That, yeah, that's the one. He's so stop. It was notable because the the referee says number thirty six has eliminated himself from this game. I was like, since when did they not say names and they just straight said numbers for guys getting kicked out of the game? Always. 
Always. Really? It, it just yeah. struck me as weird, and I almost thought it was like, oh, it was because it was nobody named that they were just like, <laughs> uh, number 36. See and now. number 25 decides to go at Jeremy Newberry. That's just a bad idea. That was yeah. weird. He swings on Newberry. Newberry just dis- discards of him easily. Like, get the it's fuck like, out It's like when Don Zimmer charged at Pedro. Like, what are you doing, man? Hey, well, come on, guys. Like, what, what's the deal? <laughs> <laughs> we just don't talk about that moment in baseball history, okay? <laughs> Why not? It was one of the greatest moments in baseball history as far you know, as I'm concerned. David you come Justice, at the king, you best not miss. David Justice being Yankee might be the greatest moment of all time. Just all saying. right. Now yeah. you're just getting All right, now it's topic. completely derailed. That has nothing to do <laughs> with <laughs> anything. Come on. Completely derailed. <laughs> uh, so, you, yeah. So, the Niners kick off, and the, the Giants, they obviously return the kick here. Um they get a decent. They get a decent return here. They they get it back to mm-hmm. right around the fifty, and I'm like, "You gotta be fucking shitting me!" And this is where football, <laughs> you know, can drive you nuts because a good return can just, you know, change the, the whole the whole game planning, changes the whole offensive, you know, mindset going into that drive. And there's no timeouts left for the Giants. Um, they're 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 within range now. You know, they can just get a field goal here. They get 25 yards. They're in field goal range, and that's exactly what they do. They proceed to get about 25, 26 yards. And we have the play that might be one of the most memorable plays of all time. Again, back to the long snapper. Junkin completely botches this snap, and Matt Allen has an issue holding it. And he runs it out. Fire, fire, fire. Yeah, he's freaking out. You have illegal men downfield, also possibly pass interference potentially on this play. And this might be the most nervous I've been in, a, you know, up to this point as a Niner fan. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. We just came back. There's six seconds left. 38-39. It's a 41-yard field goal. The kicker has been pretty good all season. But the snap was so bad. And was this pass interference? Because he was an eligible receiver. Did they miss this call? Yes. So they would have been, what, one second left on the clock? Then the Giants would have been re- able to re-kick the ball from, what, the four-yard line, I think this was, where the play, the foul occurred. Well, that's that's the thing, because everything happened so fast and everything was so wild. Was there time? Because they kept, you know, showing the replay, and then, you know, the announcers made it a point to say, hey, it was third down, and they could have spiked the ball and had another chance. But mm-hmm. I'm still thinking that despite the fact that it was pass interference, time expired so i i didn't know like i'm watching it and despite how many times i've seen this play i'm still like watching it nervously i was still (laughs) sitting there thinking like god how was this not like like that seems like a play that that would screw you right like the the fact that it ended on offsetting penalties and it was more or less just like well that's the game and everybody kind of rushes the field it felt like a product of its time too i'm like man if this happened now it would be 30 minutes of replays and guys being Mm -hmm. under the hood and going to new york and all this other stuff before we got an answer it'd be like oh okay well time ran out this happened this happened and the game's over and the, the crowd would wait and then all of a sudden realize, oh, wait, we won. And then there would be this delayed reaction. But it's just a wild sequence of things that happened. But I absolutely think it was pass interference. Sean Payton would have a heart was- attack. <laughs> yeah, that's when he started the petition to uh, review pass interference. It was actually little-known fact. It was after this game. Um, <laughs> no, it was 
it was absolutely pass interference. And I think where the confusion came in, um, and again, this is something that Scott said would replay would handle, was I believe that they thought that the the pass interference was committed against the guy that was ineligibly downfield. And if that's the case, you can't commit pass interference against a guy that's ineligible downfield, but it was a different player. It was Soybert who was dragged down. Um, whoever else, the left guard, was was ineligible downfield. What should have happened, it should have been offsetting penalties. They should have reset with zero seconds on the clock and run one last play. So Junkin would have had to snap the ball again. Matt Bryant would have had to not hook the ball 47 yards to the left. There's a lot of things that would have happened. The 49ers should not have won this game. It Correct. should have been – well, they, you know, they might have won the game if they missed a field goal, whatever it was. But they should have replayed the down. They should have kicked the field goal again. It was a whole mess. I mean, fans rushed the field. <laughs> again, just to, just to reiterate how, fa- how long ago this was, fans rushed the field. You rush the field now, like, they send the guy that's, like, the special teams dude, the ace, to just go, like, tackle the shit out of you. Now, fans rushed the field, and the, the officiating – they were like, Let's get the hell out of here. We're yeah. gone, guys. We got to go. So We got somewhere else to be. So in, in doing research for the pod here, uh, Mike Pereira, the director of officials for the league, and, and now he's an analyst for Fox, and um, you know he does all this stuff for the, the referees, acknowledged a day after the game that the crew had erred and apologized to the Giants on Monday, so the day after the game. Pereira <laughs> said of the officials, they lost track of who was eligible and who was not eligible and thought that the receiver who got interfered with was ineligible so you couldn't have pass interference. So, so the rest so made exactly a mistake. Said. Cool. Go figure. <laughs> I was just going to say, so again, we're talking about 2002, <laughs> and in 2020, the same exact thing happens where it's like, hey guys, we messed up, sorry, oops, and the outcome just kind of stands. I mean, you know, almost 20 years later, the NFL still doesn't get it right. But there's one last thing that I want to bring up when you're watching this play. If there isn't pass interference, say, you know, that ball, you know, dude doesn't get shoved and he catches it cleanly. He's well, you know, in front of the goal line. And short, if yeah. he catches it, we're assuming, I'm thinking, we're assuming he catches it because this is a lineman who's going backwards, ball coming in his head. Like, there's so many things that have to happen. If he catches it, touches it, you know, downed, you know, incomplete, whatever, game's over. Um it, you know, he catches it and it's complete. He's not in there. You know, time expires. because Like, so even though there was pass interference, it's like the correct outcome probably still happened within the context of the whole play happening. It's just the fact that, ah, the NFL screwed it up again and didn't get it right. But, hey, whatever, <laughs> Niners won, so I don't care. Yeah, same. <laughs> um, that's, that's really all it comes down to is do the right. Niners win. Yeah, all right, so, cool. Then we're good here, guys. I don't, know what we're, I don't know what we're worried about. So in our lifetime, we've seen some really good 49er playoff games. And I, I want to focus on just in our lifetime because neither one of us were alive uh, for the catch one. But we have the catch two. We have this this wildcard game. We have the catch three with Vernon Davis. We have the Kaepernick 181-yard game against Green Bay. And then we also have most recently, I thought Raheem Mostert deserves to be in this conversation for having a Mm -hmm. Mm four-touchdown game. Sure. Most recently in the NFC title game. Where does this game rank all-time as a Niner fan for playoffs in your lifetime? 
it's the only one I didn't see, so it rings at the bottom. <laughs> like, I'm watching this for the first time on the replay. I saw the highlights. That, I saw crazy. everything after the fact. But, I mean, this ranks at the bottom, and it, it's not just because I didn't see it, but it's like when you look at everything else that happened and the fact that it, it ends off a blown call, whether or not the fact that we benefited from it is not the point. It's like it ends in a blown call. I mean, like, there were a lot of things that happened, but we, I – we talked about it earlier in the group chat. Niners had no business winning this game. Like, so many things happened, and I know that, you know, okay, the Giants took their foot off the gas, and the Niners capitalized, and yada, yada, yada. But, like, they shouldn't have won this game. So the fact that they did by a single point off a call that then the next day was turned out, you know, was wrong, it's like, eh, it still ranks at the bottom for me. It's an amazing comeback, and it's a fun game to watch, but all those other games hold such special place in my heart that I, I, I can't I still gotta put this at the bottom yeah I'm with Scott on this one um incredible comeback absolutely incredible comeback incredible game by T.O. great great play by Jeff Garcia's or great plays by Jeff Garcia um <laughs> you know, it's it's fun to watch it's well actually I, I take it back it's not fun to watch because it's not in HD and it's it's hard <laughs> to watch um but it's it, no it's uh it's got to be towards the bottom just because Again, on the blown call, but when you look at some of the other stuff, you mentioned Kaepernick against the Packers. I mean, just Twice. absolutely electric. Twice against the Packers. Uh, you look at um, the comeback against the Falcons to get them to the Super Bowl. You look at just the demolishing of both Minnesota and Green Bay this past year. There's been so many good playoff moments for the 49ers and for the, and for the 49ers faithful throughout our lifetime that it's hard to put this one high yeah it's just because they should have won this game from the beginning they only won on a technicality and this is from for better or worse a very forgotten era of the 49ers because after this we talked about salary cap hell and it just the team fell apart after this and it, it, it fell apart for nearly a decade and because of that this is just for better or worse, this is gonna be one of those one of those groups of guys is just kind of forgotten. I mean, even when we were running through the thing almost an hour and a half ago, now that we've yeah. been yucking it up for so long, you know, it's just it brings back memories of our childhood. But at the same time, do you really think back on this game and and when you think of 49ers great playoff moments, you go, yeah, that time they fucked up the pass interference call. <laughs> no, it's just. Well, yeah, no, I mean, it's as simple as all of those other games. You point to plays that the 49ers made to win the game, not mm -hmm. a blown call that, you know, helped Correct. them escape, uh, you know, a certain loss. Like, I mean, the other games, you know, the catch, you know, whatever it may be, like, there's a play that they made, not a play that was a blown call. And then the day after, it was like, yeah, we screwed up. So. It's it's not hard to forget about it because it's just like <laughs> we're sitting here. All three of us are like Ty Streets caught that pass. Man, only Ty yeah. Streets remembers that. <laughs> Him and his mama. So we know it isn't memorable. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I'm with you guys too. I had this at the bottom. So you know, if I were to put it in order, because I'm you know, you guys are talking. I'm like thinking back. Um, the catch three, obviously with Vernon. Then mm -hmm. the the Falcons comeback game with Cap. I have as my second one. Uh, Green Bay, the first time where Cap goes uh, bonkers for 181. And then the following year, he does it again in the freezing cold. And then the Panthers game is after that. And then I would put this 2002 wildcard game. This most recent edition of the Niners playoffs, they were just too easy, if that makes sense. Like, it wasn't mm – -hmm. 
it wasn't a challenge. Like you know, yeah. we get we hear a lot of shit about Jimmy Garoppolo, his playoff performance. But when you can run the ball the way they ran the ball against these teams, it wasn't very difficult. And you know, me and Matt, we talked about it on the pod during those times. I was relaxed halfway through the game. I was like, all right, well, yeah. we're going to the next level or the next round, and we're going to the Super Bowl. Um, my stress level was highest for this 2002 game um, when I was 16, but I think it never got any higher than that Falcons game. It's because because yeah, we had yeah. We, I hadn't seen the Niners in the Super Bowl since 94, 95 season. So that, there's that. Um, a game that gets not remembered enough is that Panthers game, which I I think we should do eventually. But um, we've had some really good playoff games in our lifetime, and then obviously the 98 game against the 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 Cats two with To. Um, the Packers is up there as well, but I was younger then too, so like I wasn't completely sure what I was watching. Like I knew we won the game, but you know to go in depth, I'm gonna have to rewatch that game now too because now I understand more about football and all these protections and, and plays and you know Steve. You Young know what I've just, watched? Crazy. I've watched that game a few times since it's happened, and you know it, understanding more about football. That actually, when we're sitting there ranking, that actually ranks pretty high on my list, and it's not just because of that final moment, but it's it's just a lot of things that happened in yeah. that game and the back and forth and the way that like I I was just I think old enough. Like that was one of my first playoff games that I can remember, where it's mm-hmm. like I understood almost everything that was going on and I understood in that final moment is like the first game that I could pinpoint where it was like the nerves were at an all-time high and if I was pacing like that that would be it yeah and you know we also get Favre and Steve like that was just yeah at that time that was the Brady and Manning like Favre and Steve were just on two different levels they you know they were each other's equal it's just the teams weren't equal and Favre always had a little bit better team at the time but um, this one was fun, guys. You know, I know mm-hmm. we say we don't try to go too long, but an hour and forty minutes worth of breaking this game down was fun for me. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this one and, and going back and rewatching this game. Um, any any other takeaways from this game you guys want to touch on before we wrap this up? Pad levels so big. Uh, man, <laughs> every time I watch old football, I just think, good God, man, why Why did the pad shrink as time goes on? Like, the concussion um, awareness has gone up, but yet the pad levels have gone down. And, and so I just chuckled at the fact that everybody seemingly is wearing pads that were gigantic for, you know, today's game. Yeah, everybody looks like they were in Madden from, like, PlayStation 1. Just all blocky and big and, and just slow. Um, Game day something 98. Else to, something else to notice, uh, the defensive line when they line up is really far off the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I'm not sure if you guys noticed that when you were watching, yeah. but the defensive line is like a half yard off the ball, yeah. which is weird. That's really weird. Um, it, it's just it's just interesting to go back and watch watch old games and see how the NFL was played 20 years ago. Because it's just so drastically different. We keep talking about it. you could pick, you could pluck these players and drop them into football now and they'd be successful, but ninety nine percent of them you can't. Yeah. Because they don't play the same game and they wouldn't be successful in today's game just because. I mean, as good as Fred Beasley was at what he did, which was just straight block for the most part. Yeah. Dinosaur today, absolute dinosaur. Dinos- dinosaur today. He's not Kyle Uzcheck. Kyle Uzcheck can nope. block. He can run out. He can run for passes. He can he can run the ball. He can do all sorts of different things. He can run the option for damn sake. You know, it's just you look at you look at some of these players and you think there's no way they would survive in today's NFL. Dana Stubblefield was a three down player for them. 
Yeah. In this game. Your nose tackle is not a three-down player anymore. Yeah. It doesn't matter. He comes in to play for maybe second down, maybe first down, depending on what kind of formation they're in. It's just it's, – and, again, just go watch the formations. They ran out of the fucking pro set. Yeah. It means wild. It, it, it's wild to see. There's like almost no shotgun. Everything's under center. It, it's just very – it's very interesting to go back and look at football and how it's evolved in the last 20 years. Yeah, and I think I think really just three guys you could probably pluck out of this game. Julian Peterson, Jeremy Shockey, and Terrell Owens would be okay. I think they'd all be pretty successful in this era of football. Mm-hmm. Um, not many others after that. It's just like you said, they're just a lot more stiff players. They, the physicality is there. Um, and just the way they, you know, the way they, they operate on offense and defense, just not the same. You don't have, like you said, you don't have that three down nose tackle anymore. Like the Niners have right. DJ Jones. He's their true nose tackle. But he also plays on passing downs because he has that versatility. So the, the game has changed so much. And for a guy like DJ Jones to move the way he does, I don't think Dana Stubfield could move that way um, in this in today's NFL. I don't think he would hold up. And also, the offensive linemen were bigger. That's another thing. You know, yeah. you see Joe Staley, yeah. Joe Staley and, and Mike McGlinchey, they're a little bit taller and they're not as round. You know what I mean? You know, I think Joe Staley was, what, at three, maybe 285, 295 most of his career. Um, he wasn't, you know, a 320 pound offensive tackle. So, um, yeah, people, people want to talk about, people want to talk about dropping LeBron into the nineties because they're watching the last dance. LeBron would dominate these guys, put Nick Bosa against any of these offensive linemen and it's game over. Yeah. He's going to smoke all of them. So, you know, it's, it's hard to compare eras and that's why we can only pick so few of the guys from, from before that we do well now. So well, you know, and we- I'll tell you one thing though that that stuck out to me, and I, I kept laughing because, man, twenty years ago, there, I don't know how they got away with it in two thousand two, but in two thousand twenty, there is zero chance that your wide receiver core featuring Owens, and then the drop off to J.J. Stokes. Ty Streets and Cedric Wilson is doing anything in today's NFL because mm-hmm. you have got to have, you know, two to three guys that, you know, uh, that scare a defense. And after Owens, none of those guys were scaring anybody. And so I don't even know, like, the, the, you know, they mentioned it during the broadcast, you know, Garcia's trying to spread the ball around and how smart it was it because, you know, everybody knows that Owens is the man and, you know, he, he was unstoppable. And every time they threw him the ball, you, you saw what he did. But, man, to try to waste time on the likes of Ty Street, Cedric Wilson, and J.J. Stokes in today's game, like, it would be impossible. Like, that wide receiving core would get you murdered in today's NFL when it's all passed. Yeah. So, you know, just to recap, T.O. 9 for 177, two touchdowns. Um, Eric Johnson, 8 for 78. Ty Street, 5 for 58. Cedric Wilson, 1 for 18. J.J. Stokes, 2 for 14. Yeah, agreed. You can't you, today's NFL. You can't survive that way, you know. And on the other side, it was literally a Monty Tumor eight for one thirty six, Shockey seven for sixty eight, and then you have Ron Dixon five for fifty two, Dan Campbell, the you know the former Miami head coach two for thirteen. <laughs> there was just nothing. There was nothing exciting about the receiving cores uh, between these two teams except for Amani Tumor and Terrell Owens. And like you said, Amani Tumor had nearly half of his touchdowns for that season in one game, um, in the playoff game. So it's just it's real, real quick, wildly real quick. different. Dan Campbell, 
Dan Campbell also got really pissed off the backup tight end to, to Shockey. He got really pissed off and he punted his helmet on the sideline and hit some guy that wasn't dressed. And it's such a hilarious <laughs> he, he like little dude flashback. Was standing there. That was great. It's it's like the fifty third man on the roster just standing there in his sweats, just minding his own business. All of a sudden, the helmet oh, plunks man. him in the back of the head because Dan Campbell punted it. So just yeah. just something fun if you go back and watch it. Just look for yeah. that. Yeah, well, you, know, you wanted to do final thoughts. Just the last thing that I have to say about this game, and Matt, you told me to save the line specifically for this game. Yeah. <laughs> if the Niners and Giants are both four and you know four and four in these playoff matchups, this game, the reason that the Niners, you know. They had no business winning the game. The reason that they lost the game when Kyle Williams muffed that punt is because of this game. This was that that was a total makeup <laughs> game for this. Like we we won this game and had no business winning it, and then Kyle Williams losing that game for us. It's it's football gods at their finest. Yeah, it's uh, it it be, it came full circle. Um, but that should cover it, Scott. You know, thank you for coming on. Thank you for doing this. Thank um, you for having me, guys. I love yeah. every minute. This is so much fun. So let the, let the people know where they can find you. Twitter, Instagram. You do have a, a podcast of your own that is excellent. Um, you guys do a great job over there. Let the people know where they can find you. Yeah, um, Craft Brood Sports. Every week we do the show on Facebook Live, Twitter Live, YouTube Live. We're, we're pretty much everywhere, but um, we do the show every Wednesday night. It, it uh, airs 8 o'clock Eastern Time. Um, we, we have a good time. It's sports and beer, and we just kind of BS back and forth. Uh, not currently on Twitter. I need to get back on there. I was on there, but uh, off of there for now. But uh, you, you can find me on Facebook and anywhere else uh, that, you know, social media exists, I, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, you can follow you can follow Craft Bird Sports at Craft B Sports on Twitter. Yeah, I got you, Scott. I'm I'm helping you out here, bud. Yeah, I know. So I'm the, my promotional game is really terrible these days because I'm like, uh, I kind of fell off the social media thing, so uh, it, it's kind of just been the the self promotional game. But yeah, Craft B Sports, and then like like I said, every Wednesday we're on Facebook Live and anywhere else. Just tune in, and you'll be able to find us there. Good deal. Yeah, and so. Um, go and check Scott and the guys over there. Craft, craft, brew, craft. I can't speak today. Craft Brute Sports. <laughs> uh, it is a great show. Um, they interact with you as well. Go and drop your comments in there. They will talk shit back. It's a, it's a really good show. Um, and for us, I'm Javi. That is Matt. Check us out on Twitter at Fourth and Gold Podcast. Follow the podcast on all platforms: Google, uh, Google Play, Apple iTunes. Spotify, wherever your podcasts are found, go and hit that subscribe button, rate and review if you can. Um, uh, also, check out all the Blue Wire content and check out our sponsors, uh, BenOnline.ag and Blue Chew for all your promotional options there. And Matt, uh, we will be back later on this week to discuss this schedule. Mm-hmm. We'll be doing a video for that. We'll be having that up in the next, you know, twenty-four to forty-eight hours for you guys. But you, I'm Javi. That is Matt. Catch me on Twitter at JavierVague underscore. Catch Matt at map our underscore and you're not allowed to complain because y'all kept telling us to make the episodes longer so we brought scott on here to make it extra long <laughs> so hope you all enjoy this one this is a lot of fun to do yeah you have nothing else to do during quarantine unless your state is opening up like texas which will be pretty much open in the next couple days um but for everyone out there who is dealing with quarantine and essential workers we thank you uh for doing what you do uh, be safe out there and uh we will be back later on this week until then go niners peace Look in your home. Look in your office. 
Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.